Well, good, all, good evening, everybody, and welcome to this evening's service. Great to see the church packed full. Um, I know there's a lot of friends and family who stayed on from this morning, and uh, others who have joined us here this evening. Um, so it's great to see you, as uh, we give thanks to God for Jeff and Hannah's faithful ministry over many years. Uh, it's great to see many churches represented here this evening as well. Uh, so welcome to you all. Thank you for your, your support. Um, and also sure there's people here who've never actually been into the church before, and it's great to have you. I uh, hope it's not too, too odd an occasion, but I'm sure Jeff and Hannah have been very touched by coming along this evening, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. There are plenty of refreshments after the service, lots of cake and coffee, so do please stay behind and join us for that. Great to have you to do that. Um, we've got a great service to look forward to, lots of contributions from different people. Um, we've known Jeff for many years, we've worked with him, um, so we look forward to that. But although the focus is on them this evening, um, if God has come to worship, and it's to him, they have wanted to give the glory throughout their ministry. And so the, uh, the first thing we're going to stand to sing is probably very appropriate. It is, to God be the glory, great things he has done. So love to the world that he gave us his son. Let's stand to sing. Well, the first person who's going to come and say something this evening is uh, Andrew Davis, in case you don't know Andrew. Um, he preached at Jeff and Hannah's wedding many years ago. Um, also preached at Jeff's induction. And uh, he preached here this morning at Jeff's farewell service. So it's great to have him and the family with us today. And I'm going to hand over to, to Andrew to, to say a few words. Yes, it's uh, great to be here. We first met Hannah in 1970 when she was a nurse in Northwick Park Hospital staying with, staying with John and Molly and uh, she immediately became a member of the congregation and she and Pam used to go on door to door work together. Pam said she was never more relaxed than going on the doors with Hannah. Can you imagine it? A Northern Irish girl and a Welsh girl on the doors together. The mind boggles. And then one day she introduced her young man to us, this handsome dapper <laughs> young fellow. And as soon as he opened his mouth and spoke with a Welsh accent, I knew why he was handsome and dapper. <laughs> and from that moment on they became our firm friends, our, our closest friends. And it's been just wonderful to have had their love and friendship over the years. We've been back and forth here from time to time, both in the church and in the home. We've walked together, we've laughed together, we've shouted uh, for whales together, <laughs> usually in complete failure. <laughs> Once when uh, we, we left one of our churches, um, one of the young men gave me a book, a little notebook, with a something on the front saying, famous Welsh rugby victories, and the book was empty. <laughs> so Jeff and, Jeff and I have been through many a, a heartache at, at uh, Cardiff when we were been playing all black. Um, we, we, we traveled together, Jeff and I, to Spain on many occasions for missionary conferences. Um, we've been in their home, um, so warm, so welcoming so hospitable, and uh, our daughter was married in the church here, Jeff spoke at that, actually we were in Australia living at the time, and, uh, and 
she stayed in the home and left the home in order to come to the wedding. All kinds of kindnesses like that. When my brother was here for three months and Jeff was taking his place in New Zealand. And it's just been marvelous, just been marvelous to have you as our friends. And we, we will be praying for you, thanking God for you, and uh, looking forward to seeing you as often as we can. And uh, the one thing about Jeff and Hannah, as you all know, is they're entirely natural. They're spiritual people, they, they, they love the Lord, but it's entirely natural. Their spirituality is completely natural. And for that we thank God and we'll be remembering you. Thank God for you. Lots I could say, but I, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> much, Andrew. Well, somebody who came to faith through um, Jeff and Anna's ministry of the church many years ago now, uh, has been a member for um, about 30 odd years, uh, she and her husband who do a lot of work behind the scenes but uh, not always noticed but are very valued members of our church, Jane and Sid Goldsmith, Jane's come and come now and also say a few words. Jane also worked with Jeff as administrator, the first I think full-time administrator in the church, so he's got, knows Jeff very well. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Well, as Neil said, um, Jeff has asked me to. Jeff asked me to say a few words about becoming a Christian and what knowing Jesus means in my life. Thank you. <laughs> I grew up in Derbyshire, and whilst at home, attended a small Methodist church. And during my teenage years, I was a Sunday school teacher. And when I left to go to college at 18, they gave me a suitcase as a present. I sort of packed up thoughts of God in that case. I kept the locks a bit loose, but didn't venture any further. There were special occasions, we were married in church and the children were christened, so my spiritual life was no more than that. My personal wilderness lasted 20 years. Other areas of my life were very busy and full, had an interesting career, married Sid, had three sons, a busy social life, there were life shares of ups and downs, but certainly no time or space for spiritual concerns. Nevertheless, I don't honestly think that if I'd been challenged during this period, I would have denied either the existence of God or the truth of the Bible. But I didn't know, in any way know God, nor did I realize the Bible really was his word. With that great gift of hindsight, I can look back and see how the Holy Spirit sort of wove a web around me. He used different circumstances to draw me to him. It was the christening of our youngest son, Tom. Here at St. Mary's in Long Crendon, that I felt dishonest, as I was making promises I did not know how to keep, nor did I know this God I was making the promises to. Shortly after this, Vanessa, now my dear friend, came to live in Long Crendon, and when I asked her why she'd come here, she said because of the church. I thought she was quite mad. <laughs> a school, yes, a job, yes, but a church? However, with her, I started to go to coffee mornings linked to the church, where there was a speaker and I got to know Jeff and Hannah and others. There was a lot of talk of Jesus, which made me feel rather uncomfortable, but even so, I was drawn to keep going and listening. About the same time, my mum took ill, and I was also invited to a Bible study group, and it was like a spiritual awakening. I needed to pray for her and I was getting taught from God's word. A light was dawning in my life. And I learned I could have a new life. 
The beginning of this new life is given different names. Conversion, being born again, being saved. Before being a Christian, I had to take the step of becoming one. I could not inherit it, earn it, be baptized into it, and I certainly did not deserve it. I understood my greatest need was forgiveness, that I needed to be reconciled. I had contributed to Jesus' death on the cross, and if I asked for his forgiveness, God would cancel out my past sins and give me an entirely fresh start. So there came one day when life was just more pressurized than usual, had concerns with aged parents, hands full with children, and general overload, a great sense of, Jane, what are you waiting for? So in my domestic havoc, I knelt and asked the Lord's forgiveness and said, please come into my heart, my life, and take over my steering wheel. It was a bit like a young child placing total dependence on their loving father, and like a child, it was based on trust, not intellect. What difference does it make? Well, I have a heavenly father who loves me with a depth I cannot comprehend, and who is always there for me. I had a hunger for new things, a new attitude of gratitude, including for my marriage. I have the gift of friendship, there is so much trust, prayer for support, and willingness to be vulnerable. The Bible speaks of the truth setting you free, and that is what it is, it's freedom. It's a great joy to serve in this church where the Lord has put me. As Neil has said, I have the pleasure, the privilege, and the challenge of working alongside Jeff as his administrator for several years. And more recently, being part of the building project team and seeing the Lord's direction and provision of people, funding, and so much more. Without him, we would not have this brilliant building. And we all learn from one another. I've learned so much through the years from Jeff and Hannah. And one of them is what it means to be hospitable. They epitomize what it means to be welcoming. Some of you will know that 15 years ago, one of my precious sons died in a car accident. We were in the middle of a major decorating session in the house and had a schedule on the wall of what we should do each evening. We'd just finished our evening of wallpaper stripping and were having a bedtime drink when the police came to tell us that Richard had died. He was 26. I could say our lives went totally off schedule. This was not part of any plan or timetable we were familiar with, but beyond and much deeper than the decorating schedule, the Lord had burned into me his schedule. My automatic reaction was to say to the two policemen, we need to pray about this and ask for the Lord's help. Please sit down. I do not recall what they said, what I said, or who the policemen were, but I do know at that moment in time the Lord heard every word and answered and moved in with us. The immediate answer came when I rang Jeff and Hannah. They'd literally just walked in from a day out. Jesus left us the Holy Spirit as the comforter, and I cried out to him often for his comfort as I gave him my tears. Where else could we turn? I didn't actually want to turn anywhere else. I was hungry for God's word, desperately seeking comfort, and there was much to be found in scripture, and it poured into me and comforted. And a river of love broke through our home, from the church family and the wider village. I believe the Lord has healed me in the inner parts. He has poured in his peace, comfort, and love, and gently but firmly led me forward. Our faith does not remove our grief but we have experienced the promised peace which passes understanding, guarding our hearts and minds. There are no shortcuts, and God never promised to change our circumstances, but he has promised to be in them with us. The Bible speaks of the fruit of suffering, not a fruit any one of us would choose. But over recent years, I have had several opportunities to meet with parents 
So I'll be wrecked in the loss of a child of varying ages and circumstances. To be able to get alongside them with an empathetic ear, knowing that God has brought us together. Wherever we are in life, it is a journey. I am just very thankful that the Lord reached out his hand to me and continues to be with me through the joys and sorrows of life. I have the joy of his presence now, and ultimately, at the end of my journey, I have the assurance that I will enjoy his presence forever. Thank you, Jane. Well, we're going to pray for that same God now who Jane has spoken about, and Alan Gibson's going to come and lead us in our prayer. We're going to seek God together. Let us pray. Our Father, we worship you as the only true and living God and gladly come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We adore you for your perfections and love to us. We praise you that you are the eternal God, the God who has made himself known to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life he lived for us, for the death he died for us, for the new life he gives us in his resurrection. We bow before you, Lord Jesus, for your rule over us as our King, and we look forward, loving Jesus, to the day when you will return. We thank you, Lord, that this is the gospel which has been preached and taught here through the ministry of Jeff and Hannah through these years. And we thank you for the Bible and we thank you for the way it has been blessed here as we've just been hearing in the lives of many through the years. We testify that this is your work that you have done. Men have planted but God made the seed grow, and we give you the honour for that. We thank you too, Lord, for the reminders we've had throughout this day of the personal qualities that you've given to Jeff and Hannah, and for their warmth and kindness to so many people. And so we pray for them now in the next phase of their life, the next chapter in your story for them, that you will guide them and help them through what is going to be a different time for them. We pray for the future of the work here. We thank you for those you have given to us as our pastors and for those who are leading and serving in this church at this time. We pray for them in the responsibilities they will undertake. And we thank you, Lord, that you are not only the God of the past and the God of the future. We rejoice together that in Jesus Christ you are the God of today. And so we come to you, we bring the rest of this service to you and pray that you will make it a blessing to us all. We pray for some of our friends who cannot be here this evening. We pray for those who are unwell at home for those that are committed to the care of others. We pray for those young people who are starting a new life this weekend as students, and we commit them to your care for the future. We thank you for the missionary interests of the church here and all that Jeff and Hannah have done 
in stimulating and fostering that interest. And we commend our brothers and sisters to you who are serving you in other places, some of them difficult and lonely, and some of them facing particular challenges at this time. And we thank you too, our God and Saviour, for the community around us where you have put us in Long Trendon. We thank you for the way that you have used Jeff and Hannah in their relationships with people around them in the village. And we pray for those of us who have been able to come here tonight that you will grant your Holy Spirit to make real to us the love of Jesus, that his living power may be used so that we can know and serve you better. Lord, we want to give glory to the name of Jesus. We want to honour you for who you are as our Lord and Saviour. And we bless you for the hope of eternity you've given to us, that we were already passed from death to life through his power and resurrection. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Don't deal with us as we deserve, but grant us your grace and those for whom we pray. In the worthy name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing again. I'm going to hand back to the Robin the Group to lead us. We're going to sing two songs. And when we look at Jeff and Hannah, we think faithfulness and lots of other lovely words, but um, faithfully serving us over a long time. And that's the character of God. We worship a faithful God. And we see it in the people that serve him and love him and we're very grateful for that. And our second song speaks about hope, the hope that we have in Christ. And if you're not familiar with the Christian um, truth and story, this uh, song kind of sums it up in four verses really, so uh, in Christ alone. So we begin with faithful one, so unchanging. Let's stand and sing together. Well, although uh, Hannah's led the contact meeting on Wednesdays for many years, it's not often that we have a chance to hear her speak on a Sunday. Um, so here's your opportunity. So Hannah, it's uh, over to you to, uh, to say a few words. Thank you very much. Well, it's lovely to see so many of you here this evening. And uh, I was just thinking seeing those hymns. That sums up my life here. Um, what a faithful God we have. And it's just amazing to be able to come and share a little of God's great faithfulness over this past 37 years. I did say to my husband, can I have one minute for each year? But <laughs> I think time's getting on. It'll have to be a little bit less. <laughs> uh, it's a great joy to have Andrew and Pam here. Um, they really, they have been a tremendous encouragement to us over the years. I still remember staying with Pam and Andrew one weekend when my family went around and for the first time ever I had a lovely breakfast brought up to me in the morning. I haven't had one since. <laughs> so I'm saying no more. But they really have been amazing and when one leaves home and goes away and finds another church uh, of, of a, a pastor and his wife who we got to know and love so dearly. Uh, it makes a, a tremendous influence in your life, so thank you. 
Uh, I would like just to say a thank you to uh, everyone really who's come here and especially to my family. Right, tears are over now. The the theme of the service uh, this evening is focused on God's great faithfulness. And as we were singing just a few moments ago that he does lift us up when we fall down and he is a rock and he is one who will encourage us whatever difficulty or trial that we are going through. And that has been part of our journey here at Long Crendon. And I thought I'd just give you a little bit of a background uh, where I've come from, for those of you who don't know me very well. <coughs> I became a Christian in my early teens and experienced uh, a real sense of God's love as a Heavenly Father. And as I uh, committed my life to him then I sought his help about a future career and I uh, pursued my nursing career which I did enjoy very much indeed, I loved it and after finishing somehow, you know, life tries to get you back into a bit of routine and you're working uh, quite uh, often at weekends and so on but I began to feel this urge that I really ought to think about perhaps serving or giving part of my life to mission overseas. And so it was because of that then I decided to go to Bible College in Glasgow for further training. And of course that was when I met my future husband Jeff. And then, to cut the long story short, I eventually ended up in Long Crendon and Val gave you the history of that this morning. Uh, this was probably not what I was expecting for uh, my future, uh, but there we are. When one realizes, <laughs> I hadn't quite planned for that for the next, well, I didn't think of five years, ten years, but you know, the rest of sister and I. But it's been a, a, an enormous privilege to be involved in all the various departments of uh, the life of the church. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention the opportunity of, of particularly one aspect of the life of church. I've been involved in all the departments, young and old and everybody in between, but uh, it was a great privilege right probably at the very beginning to be get, get involved. Mission wasn't probably high on the agenda when we first came here, Valerie. So I got involved in the missionary committee, which was given, has given me a really a wider involvement in mission uh, overseas than I could have ever, ever imagined. And both of us here have been able to visit church members working in Tanzania, in Borneo, in Senegal, and also to share with the Wycliffe Conference uh, in Ethiopia and, and Germany. And the, the joy of being so near the, the Wycliffe Centre uh, has been such a blessing to our church here because we don't often get uh, people from other countries in this small village coming to worship with us. So that in itself is a great, a great stimulus for us. And I just, you know, realize that uh, often God far exceeds the expectations that we have had for ourselves. And so that was my uh, thinking back how God brought mission, uh, helped me to bring mission to the church and also further seas, overseas. We also introduced a mission weekend conference uh, every other year. And that again was a great stimulus where we could get all ages coming together to be informed and encouraged to respond to God's call wherever he might uh, lead us, uh, and however short or long that might be. Also, we were, as a church, were challenged, uh, I think, a few, quite a few years ago, seven or eight years ago, I think, 
by uh, three uh, Russian uh, women who came to the Wycliffe Centre for training uh, in linguistics and they were committed to the Lord and were willing to serve overseas. And it was a great thrill for us to see these young girls uh, giving up their careers to come and serve the Lord. One of them, went, two of them went to Ethiopia and one of them to Senegal and in the church uh, we were able to give them some financial help there as well. Um, finally, as uh, just a comment, I want just to say the church family for all their tremendous support. You know, it's been a such a joy and encouragement to see so many responding to the call of God to take up the cross and follow me. And this has not only been the result of faithful preaching God's word, but it's also been the faithful prayers of so many who are committed to praying for those who yet don't know the Lord. And that is a great challenge always for all of us. And also for the faithful commitment of so many of our church folk to help in all the various departments of this growing church. Those who have busy jobs during the day and yet they can give up their time to serve in a, a very, a very uh, special way within the church. And also to very practical, many practical things that are done in the church, the music group you're here week after week. God is so good and we, we just have so much to give him thanks for. And again, to thank many people beyond the church here who have prayed for us and we joined this as a little uh, other side of church in Glasgow when we first got married uh, and at the Bible College we met Merkel and one of our assistant pastors people at Peter Granger and they know the church in Glasgow, Sandy St. Henderson we worshipped there for during the time we were at college and also after we got married and that church has prayed faithfully for us over these many many years and some of them would have loved to come here. And it's, it's been lovely. They went through a building project team. They were so helpful and supporting and praying for us. And it's just wonderful to have these links, uh, you know, north, south, east and west. So that is an added joy. <coughs> and also now just to say thank you for all your amazing cards and gifts. And look at these cards. Amazing. <laughs> and I think the opening hymn was to God be the glory. Thank you very much, Hannah. Uh, well, last but not least, before Jeff comes up to speak in a moment, um, Paddy Harris is going to say a few words. Paddy, in case you don't know him, was the youth pastor here for uh, about nine years um, before he took on the pastorate at our plant in Tain Cornerstone, uh, which is now an independent church. And it's great to see guys from Cornerstone here with us this evening as well. Um, Paddy, over to you. Um, I'm always struck by Percy before I start properly. Um, what you've done with the place is very nice. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the video screen here. It's a bit like being on Songs of Praise, which is uh, something I never thought I would ever be on. Uh, so it's, it's nice to do that. Uh, uh, secondly, uh, can I just say um, how lovely and beautiful the first three of you have spoken, but three out of four without crying means that the odds are that I'm going to lose it at some point. Uh, those of you who know me know that though I look big, tough and muscular, uh, <laughs> Um, uh, 
know that I am a big softie at heart, so, um, so bear with me if the tears flow. I'm going to blame it on Hannah, who has left some of her tears here, so it's kind of, it's kind of captain. Um, what can I say about these two and this church? Um, it's been a struggle in the week to, to think, because I'll be honest, um, Jeff and I should not love each other the way that we do. Um, we are like some kind of weird evangelical Laurel and Hardy. Um, <laughs> it's odd. Um, uh, there's me, the English, English young lad, early 30s, um, him, the devilishly handsome, slim, 40, um, how old are you now, 70, 80? <laughs> it's been a long time, Jeff, I've lost track. Um, but it should not work, and yet it does, and, and yet it does. And um, uh, I can honestly say that it's not put on, that, that I enjoy coming up here uh, for both of you. I, I was relieved to find out they were both huggers, as I am. Um, it's been lovely to, to, to kind of experience that. Before I get on to, to my personal bit, I can't talk for too long. Uh, Jeff's got to preach, and we know how long he goes on for. So, um, uh, just some preaching. I was asked to speak first and foremost uh, about church planting. Um, after all, I am... Uh, one of you who has been sent, and I'm very grateful. And Long Penn is a church that, though small, punches above its weight. Though small, it punches above its weight in the village, uh, the way it's considered and thought about, and in the worldwide scope that you guys have had, under Jeff and Hannah's leadership, and uh, through Neil, and through the leadership team, and the missionary committee just heard about, uh, you should be very proud. And I was very sorry not to be here yesterday, but I was at an induction of uh, Johnny Phyllis and Bex Tomlin, now Phyllis, who, having been blessed through the ministry here and through Cornerstone, are now sent out to Bindi Woods near Coventry to start their own ministry. Uh, I've been blessed by the internationals who have come, who speak fondly of your own work, uh, your words of encouragement, uh, your hugs too, uh, the words of wisdom, and strong words of challenge too, so that you weren't afraid to put people right and to, to call an end to things when it was right to do so. That's, that's real leadership, isn't it? Making the hard decisions. Um, and these two have done that. And I can't stress enough that, that when I applied for my job here, I had never heard of Long Crendon uh, before, but it's amazing how since coming here you speak to people and people go, oh yeah, I know that church. That's where Jeff is, isn't it? Jeff and Hannah. Everywhere I go, it's annoying. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to make a name for myself, and then there's... No, I'm joking, it's all about Jesus. Um, <laughs> Um, at Cornerstone, similarly, this September, uh, we've had the biggest September we've ever had. Now, numbers don't mean a healthy church, uh, but it's been lovely to see our hall full. Uh, we know, uh, personally, your generosity. We literally could not have done it without you. We couldn't have done it without your prayers, without your patience, without your gentleness, uh, without your warmth, uh, without your money, which you gave generously and warmly, even when I know that the directions would have been maybe slightly different as to how some of you might have wanted it to be. And yet that's, the, for me, the mark of the quality of you as a church. Uh, and people often say that the church reflect their pastor, and their pastor's wife in this case, because we all know that Hannah's the power behind the throne, really. <laughs> um, to say then, I'm encouraged that I know it's not just us, that other churches have been glanced in pain, that you've supported Quainton and Winslow, that you've sent, you've sent graciously and you've sent generously, not just the worst, you've sent the best. And I think that is a credit too to, to these guys. Uh, as I said, I am hugely grateful for the start you gave me in my ministry. I'm hugely grateful for how patient you were with me when I did ridiculous things in children's talks that shouldn't have been allowed. Um, I'm grateful for the risks you took, and I'm grateful for the faith you put in me. So, can I just say first and foremost, thank you, thank you, um, and at Cornerstone we'll seek to do you proud. And as I keep telling you, Jeff, 
there are plenty of options in Tame for things you could do. There's a couple of care homes that could do with a chaplain. Uh, just an idea, I'm not joking. Um, uh, I certainly could do with some help. How old are you, Jeff? 70? So, um, it worked well the first time, I probably shouldn't say the second time. But, but as a church, you know, we struggle to reach certain demographics. But the class of you guys is, you look around this church, you're not just a one-trick pony, are you? Look at the ages represented, look at the backgrounds represented. You are a church that punches above its weight. Really briefly, let me talk personally. Um, Rob mentioned it briefly earlier, and I was afraid he was going to steal my thunder. But uh, God doesn't look for success. I don't think he just looks for faith in this. He looks for fruit. He looks for fruit. He looks for new disciples. And he looks for fruit in our own lives as spiritual living. Uh, Jeff and Hannah have that in abundance. Let me give you some examples. Love. Love. Have any of you ever here been loved so hard and hugged by these two so hard that it hurts? Is it just me? Or the claw of Hannah? The hug of Jeff? I could barely breathe the first time he hugged me. I'm a big guy, but man, that guy hugs like a tiger. Uh, more than that. More than that. The love that I know he's shown to you guys when you've been in a mess or when you've been in a triumph. This is the mark of them too. You can't go in the house for shorter than five minutes because they want to know what's going on with your life. They care. When people come to my door, I'm always a bit like, really? A bit busy now, actually. Uh, still got a lot to learn, but um, I know that every time we drive past, my kids say, Jeff and Hannah, we should stop. And I wish I had more, if I'm honest. I really wish I had more. Uh, love. Joy. Have you ever seen Jeff with a glass of Stella Artoris? Um, or a, a glass of red? Uh, you'll know that his joy fills the room. Uh, sometimes to a point where you feel mildly embarrassed. Um, <laughs> weddings, weddings, curries after the is it okay? Yeah, I'll be really quick. Uh, weddings, um, weddings, especially fond members for me after the carols in the square, which is a great event in the curry house. Um, the joy and the laughter literally shook that place a bit. So um, uh, I'm grateful for, for those memories. Um, some of you might have to help me. What comes next? The fruit, patience, yeah. Patience, love, joy, peace. There you go. Well done. Just testing, testing your listening. Um, on a slightly more serious note, um, my wife and I, as you know, uh, we lost a baby uh, late in pregnancy, and um, I was very angry. Um, after all, I'd given God my life. Why should these tough things happen? That's been the deal. You know, I'll, I'll do ministry, make things nice and happy for me. Um, I can't credit Neil, Jeff, Hannah, and Liz enough for the peace they brought to our house from just sitting quietly, knowing that words would be cheap, to prayers of power and peace. Um, these two, as you've heard, have a natural faith and peace in abundance. I'm going to stop before I cry. Patience. Um, I nearly, I very nearly not got the job. That's a terrible sentence. I very nearly didn't get to work at Long Crendon. Um, <laughs> very nearly. And this is what I was struggling, because I was trying to think of bits about patience, but you know, we can't all be fully sanctified yet, Jeff, can we? But um, my answer phone message was at the same pace as I'm speaking now. Um, this is a lot slower how I, than how I used to speak. Um, Helen begged Jeff to give me a go. I think Jeff's exact words were, this guy sounds like a waster. That's <laughs> fair. Jeff also said, he's just told me, don't touch him with a barge pole, uh, which is always encouraging. Maybe that's why you sent me out to the plant. Um, now, on a serious note, uh, patience um, with me, um, individually, I know that I was hard work, man. Um, I know that there were times where I frustrated the life out of you. And uh, I'm sorry for those times, but I also know that when we were patients together, we saw good things happen. And, and I wish there were more pastors who worked as long as he had in the same place. 
uh, work through those difficult bits where the church transitions and it's not like it used to be. Work through the complaints and the grumbling and the hard times and the good times. I wish there were more pastors like that. That's what our church needs. People that stick. Patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, I'll shut up now because you can see this is going to be a half an hour sermon. Put your hand off if you experience their kindness. Good, okay. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness. Goodness, goodness me, how generous these people are. You've heard about it. Uh, they were good to me. They were good to me. When I said, oh, I could do the church plant thing, you know, I get bored easily, um, Jeff didn't just laugh in my face. He probably should have done. I was very immature and had a lot to learn. But you were good to me. You were good to me. You were good to Claire and I. As a church, you were good to us. You provided. You provided wise words and strong words at hard times. You put me straight when I needed it. You even put me straight the second time when I ignored it the first time. <laughs> Um, you kept me on the staff when I spent, I think it was £8,000 on a youth trip to France. <laughs> Still paying that back. Uh, I, I could keep going. I, I could keep going. I, and I won't. Not because I don't know the fruit of the Spirit, because I do. But I think I've made my point. That actually, in terms of self-control, I tell you what, being a church pastor is hard, and you guys are hard work sometimes. It's not a joke. Not a joke. You say things that you don't realise mean that he'll think about that for the next couple of days. That little comment about the sermon on the door, it's not just a throwaway. You know, self-control, I, I've seen it in Jeff. Um, I've seen it huge amounts of times. I've seen it even in this process, which is hard, isn't it? When you're trying to figure out those difficult decisions about when to stay and when to go. Um, and, you know, to be honest about it, I know that each of you have different thoughts and views about it. I've seen self-control in abundance. Um, and, yeah, all of the rest. I'm going to set off now, but hey, I love you. You're my dad uh, in ministry, uh, along with my other dad, um, and I'm grateful from Cornerstone and from me, and um, this is not the end. It shouldn't feel like a funeral. Uh, When seeds get buried in the ground and they die, new life comes out. So just make sure you do your gardening thing you did in the garden. (laughs) I'll say, I know other people have said it, make some plans and continue to be fruitful. Love you lots. Thanks, Daniel. It's time now to hand over to Jeff. So, um, are we all, Jeff? Thank you. Just a little comment on Tali. The reason was that when he applied for the job, he left a message in the answer for and six people didn't understand a word that you said. <laughs> no, you thought so fast that we thought. But, but true, isn't it, Helen? Helen went round to the church and said, Can you interpret this? <laughs> so you got the job and. Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, it's customary for us to read the Bible, and I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2 and make some comments. Um, it's very late, isn't it? And I'm not, Hannah said to me something too long. She did. That isn't meaningless, by the way. No. <laughs> Uh, I want to read Philippians 2, it's the extract of a hymn, and uh, beginning at verse 5 to verse 11, Philippians 2. So this is uh, the, understood as a, as a remnant of an apostolic hymn, and it gives us an idea of the early church and its priority and its high view of the Lord Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is speaking, and in verse 5 he begins, Your attitude should be the same 
as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'll just make a little comment on that, but uh, I have, that's the sermon, I wrote this out and I've got ten points. I know, but I, yeah, you can, I know, don't sigh, is it, like that? I'll go through them very quickly, trust me. I start the right way. Yeah, I, I asked myself a question, that's what it is, and the question I asked is this. Where do I start after 40 years of pastoral ministry? It's a long time, isn't it? Um, and I'll tell you what I, I thought, okay. I was blessed with godly parents. Parents who knew and loved the Lord Jesus. And although I didn't appreciate like many children don't, it proved to be a great heritage. Secondly, in my late teens I had a living encounter with Jesus Christ and from there on everything changed. It was an immense privilege for me thirdly to go to Bible College. The church that I was brought up in was uh, a product of the Welsh Revival and uh, without being unkind it perhaps had um, more heat and less light. Um, it emphasized a great deal of the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit but often not great teaching. I was privileged to be brought up in that church and it has left its impression on me. However, going to Bible college uh, filled in some of those areas in my Christian life. It was there that I met Hannah. I want to tell you something now that I've never told Hannah before. I, I, if you're going to try, I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's, um, if I, I'm on, I can move, can't I, around? Okay. Um, Bible College is an interesting um, place to go and to be and uh, when I saw Hannah I said to myself I'm going to marry her. Did you know that? No, I know, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, I thought, <laughs> that's quite a good catch. <laughs> no, it's true. It is true, I did, I know. The first, I, I'll digress, I know, I'll digress. When the thing in, those were days in college when you wore uh, grey flannels and a blazer and a tie and you looked smart. Um, but you had to have a badge. And my mother spoiled that boy's rot and I couldn't sew on a button. I never rang a shirt, I never clue. So I went to the first girl and I said, um, hello, I'm Jeff, would you sew on my badge? <laughs> She said, sew it on yourself. 
I'm true. I felt I was home by the spirit. Instantly homesick. Anyway. That wasn't Hannah, by the way. I'm just saying. Big coming of age. So, um, I thought, okay, if this is going to be a future, how do you go about it? The course of true love is fraught with all sorts of challenges. Um, but in the goodness of God, the system was that in college you had four areas and you were put together by uh, the prefects that we have, I think we call them, and uh, they would put people together, match you up and send you up. So the last year, Han and I were put together on visitation. And because it was a big housing scheme, it often wasn't very safe in the evening, uh, the students, men and women, went together. The college had a rule, no physical contact, which everybody tried to adhere to. <laughs> it's true, they did. I mean, which, some sides harder than others, I know, but I mean, okay. Um, so, I made a move a few times that Hannah was just not interested. I, I mean, I, I really couldn't understand that. And seriously. No, no. Anyway, this is only my fourth point, and I will move quickly in a minute. But, so, this is what I did. When we were um, finished our last evening of going into parish visiting, we were walking along, and... Um, I said, because Hannah told me that she wanted to be a missionary nurse, she did uh, nursing, midwifery, fever nursing, and all this sort of thing. And so I said to her, excuse me, I, can I just take your hand a moment? She gave me like this. And I said, you know, these hands that have brought life into the world, we're walking along. I said, I'm sure you won't mind if I hold your hand. She said, yes, and she slapped me like that. She did, that's true. And I knew straight away she was playing hard to get. I mean, I did. So, anyway, I don't know. That, so, we move on. That was coming. I never met an out. I didn't even know Ulster Ireland. You, I, did, I always thought Irish were Irish until I... You know what I mean? I was... Anyway. Firstly, <laughs> we take a massive leap now and come to a long friend and Baptist church, let you into my interesting encounter with the organist. Now, you haven't got the problem that, oh, not, well, it's just, the opportunity. Thank you. The opportunity. They used to ask the question like this. What's the difference, Tom, you know about this, what's the difference between a church organist and a terrorist? And the answer to that was, a terrorist you can negotiate with. <laughs> so, so I, I went to see Mr. Shrimpton, who not only was the star organist, used to have sacred concerts here, and the, it was, the organ was one of those that used to rise up, you know, it was a cinema organ, silent organ, that all singing and dancing, flute, timbrels, everything. And it was the best organ in the people to travel and put up with the preaching to hear the organ. So I went to see Mr. Shrimpton and I was told that he's a man of strong opinions, which is good. So I said to him, um, Mr. Shrimpton, uh, I've always felt, knowing that he didn't like this, that the minister should choose the hymns and the tunes. And he said, 
well. And from there on, we were good friends. <laughs> it's true. We, we got on all right. But he was one of those people where you just had to um, put your cards on the table. Pardon the term. So, in 1976, that hot summer, which some of you may remember, I came here because there was uh, a vacancy and, and preached and um, two people, as I recall, uh, were challenged about baptism. But because there was a shortage of water, there was one source of great providence, and that was that Mr. King there, who was the church secretary, he was so good at giving the notices. They said he's so good he could do it in his sleep. I said he does every Sunday. He never, no, no, he never varied it. You know, he just did. It. Anyway, he was the, he was the area surveyor for the water board. So we had a baptism. And uh, then they asked me back, and it's Valerie said this this morning, it's quite extraordinary, I had no idea. I preached, if I, I'll just read this to you, I preached uh, the first sermon that I came here uh, from Acts chapter 10. I won't read too much about it, but you can look it up for yourself. It's Peter has this vision, and uh, Cornelius is coming from Joppa to his house and so on and, and, and so forth, and he's looking for... Simon Peter. I was preaching from this, and it, let me read it to you. And uh, in verse 21 of Acts chapter 10, it says, I am the man you're looking for. <laughs> now, how do you get a minister? He'll preach the sermon and he'll say, I'm the man you're looking for. Don't look anymore. Lay hands on me. I'm coming. And I came. And the rest is, is history. I have seen over the years uh, babes in arm being born, dedication, commitment, baptism, relationships developing, marriages, funerals, far too many. And one thing in particular for me is that to take funerals of those much younger than me is immensely humbling to remind ourselves of our frailty. So you all have become our family. Moving on to assistant pastors and youth workers, Paddy and Peter Granger and Paul Godfrey who is in Spain and Gordon Loman and various others that have been here. It's a, it's a big challenge to commit yourself to supporting, training and sending and there are many churches not prepared to do that. It's very costly, financially. And uh, missionary societies, those that have the biggest impact, will often say to the church, look, you can send people to us. If you don't miss them, we don't want them. You have to. And the sacrifice isn't only in finance, it is that, but to sending the people you most are going to miss. And that's been a big sacrifice. And then the whole issue of church planting. Mission begins at home. It's what we've used this phrase to use a lot, turning mirrors into windows. We're not just just to look at ourselves, but to look out into a needy world. And then the whole area of, Hannah's mentioned, uh, the committee. Just think it's a hard calling, isn't it, to be faithful for know, almost 30 years on the missionary committee and not go... Um, abroad yourself and to work hard at prioritizing and praying and giving. It's quite something. 
uh, ninthly, pastoral team. Uh, you know, pastors are strong individuals, I'm sure you know that. Bad delegators. And to have a team around you of equals and to share and to do that is challenging. It changes you. It makes you more accommodating. It ought to anyway. So, Neil and Grant and Mark are in place here. The team, they're different. Different to me, rightly so. And I really sense that the future is, is, is good in the sense that they are God's people for this church and this time. We've all heard of Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson. He is greatly missed by Man United. He used to say it's really quite simple. And his dictum was, play for today, plan for tomorrow. Ours should be a bit like that. We should preach for today and pray for tomorrow. Plan, play for today as if you'll never play again. Preach for today as if you'll never preach again. And pray for tomorrow that God in his providence would work his work of grace. I'll never forget, um, it was uh, 20, nearly 23 years ago, um, at the Evangelical Ministry Assembly in London, John Stott, the great Dr. John Stott, was speaking, was doing a series of three talks, and he is the most consummate, disciplined teacher. He couldn't waffle if he tried, except on this one occasion, he paused, and it was completely out of character. And he said, stop, 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 deviated from his notes. He never does. Those of you who've read his books. Brothers and sisters, he said, I have just had my 70th birthday, and my great prayer is that I will not fall on the last hurdle. He didn't know he would have another 22 years and uh, died last year. It's a great thing to remind ourselves that we are mortal and frail. And it's a challenge, isn't it, to end well. Tenthly and lastly. I did look at it once. Um, <laughs> a vision for a new building. It's uh, 1.5 million pounds is a very large sum of money for a church our size. And it's right that people have different views and opinions. If those who are familiar with the Baptist Church, it's like a collegiate culture, it's a collective decision making and you move on. It is, I didn't believe that we could do it. There's a confession. I know other people had greater faith than I did. I know that. It's been humbling. I only know a little of the great sacrifice of giving in this church. But surely it must bow well for the future as we see what God can do and is doing among us. Buildings are only servants. They're only servants, but they are good servants. And we can use them for the glory of God. Which brings me to a sermon. In college, it, in the graduation, as 
men and women went to missionary work and in all sorts of areas in my day they used to have a, a big preacher and this occasion it was Alan Redpath he's died a long time ago now and he preached the sermon I never forgot it I, I'm going to give you his point um, this was in 1970 a long time I wonder if you can remember the sermon in 1970 so he's challenging us young people and he says, he started by saying, he used three points, all alliterated as lots of preachers do. The first one, he said, sterling, money. Come to terms with the fact that if you're going to be involved in Christian work, you're not going to make a lot of money. Don't go around complaining. It's a great privilege in your calling. Settle it now and don't compare yourself with other people. I think that was very sage advice. Then he said, set. I never heard anybody say that in church before. I know, I need to go out more often, but I haven't. <laughs> Not true, I haven't. And I thought, why is he saying something that everybody's thinking about? Which, which was, so I agree, yes. So anyway, he talked about you young folk, you know, with all your urges and passions and so on. He was very specific, and so I was very helpful. He said, you're going to be in a situation of compromise, of opportunity, and you can exploit that, and you mustn't. Because God will judge you. And we know some of the difficulties that come to the church are not just the large churches, but evangelical churches too, on that issue. And then he paused and he said, you know, those two are but flea bites next to this one. And I was thinking, what's it going to be? And he spun it out a bit, as preachers do. And he said, self, that's the rub. All your life, you will struggle with self. Your biggest problem is not the world which is unfair, which it is, or the injustices, which there are many, but yourself. And that's where you need daily the grace of God and the power of God. I never forgot that. And it proved to be very helpful. Sermons can do that. And this brings me to the last. If I was to ask you, what, where is the most dangerous place in church? I wonder what you would say. Those you good church folk who've been, well, I'll tell you. It's the door. And I'm going to give you a few quotes. <laughs> I have spent 40 years almost spending twice as much time at the door than in the pulpit. Well, fair enough, it's a level ground, isn't it? Listen to this. I made a note of some of these. <laughs> Splendid. I particularly like your ending. <laughs> well, it could have been a good ending, couldn't it? This I was a bit nipped about. You think you spend a lot of time trying to prepare, and it is difficult being fresh in the same pulpit for a very long time. And somebody said to me, you have such a gift beating off the cup. You spent all the week preparing. <laughs> okay. Your sermon reminded me of something that happened to me recently at Disney World. <laughs> that sermon was even better than the last time you preached it. I know. 
Is it a good one? Okay. Um, there's hope. Listen to this. The power, the beauty, the control, the eloquence. Wasn't the music this morning magnificent? <laughs> See, it's a teaser, isn't it? Last one. Ah, you know about this. Isn't that baby who cried through your sermon simply adorable? <laughs> I know. One that happened to a friend of mine, and this is true, and it wasn't so real, but I won't divulge his name, wasn't he? Could have happened. He preached an exceptionally good sermon. He wasn't the greatest preacher. And the lady thanked him very much. Quite moved she was. And being a self-deprecating and humble chap, he said, oh, no, 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 yes, yes, she said, yes. Well, in the end, he said, you know, it wasn't me, it was the Lord, and she stiffened her back and said, it wasn't that good, she said. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've never had that problem, Andrew David, I'm sure. Anyway, that... A priest was honoured at his retirement dinner after 25 years in the parish. A leading local politician and member of the congregation was chosen to make the presentation and give a little speech at the dinner, the way that you've done over this weekend. However, the politician was delayed, and the priest, an amiable fellow, who could speak quite easily, gave a few words just to fill in until the man arrived. And he said this. Looking back over 25 years, I got my first impression of the parish from the first confession I heard here. I thought I had been assigned to a most terrible place. The very first person who entered my confessional told me that he had stolen the television set. When questioned by the police, he was able to lie his way out of it. He had an affair with the boss's wife. He'd taken illegal drugs. I was appalled. I was despairing. But as the days went on, I learned that the people here were not like that at all. Indeed, they were good, fine people, loving people. Just then, as the priest finished his talk, the politician arrived, very embarrassed, full of apologies for being late. And he immediately began to give his presentation. And he began his talk like this. I'll never forget the first day our parish priest arrived. In fact, said the politician, I had the great honor of being the first person to... Thank you. The first person to make my confession. <laughs> two, two things about first, it doesn't pay to be late. Never, never be late. And the second, be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> so, thank you very much. You have been so generous and kind and loving. I'm now going to quote from the Parsons pocket book. I have about 30 copies of these every year and this is what my practice was. The first thing I always wrote in, because 
I believe that God called me to be a pastor. I took these three things from St. Augustine. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. All things, love. It is no surprise that one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples, and it is the greatest verse in my view in John's Gospel, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. And then the next thing that I put in, just to remind, this is for my benefit really, is this, a quotation from Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, where he says, choose one's attitude, the ultimate freedom. Attitude is either your best friend or your worst enemy. And in our reading, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then, a prayer that I try to pray, and it's this, to trust the past to the mercy of God, the present to his love, and the future to his providence. And with those things in my diary, as I look at it, I remind myself, in order to try to stay focused, I commend that to you. And give thanks to God for his goodness to us all, and our love for all of you. Thank you for your patience, and now we're going to sing our final hymn. It's a great hymn, uh, and um, it's Lord for the years and you'll find that it resonates with some of these themes that we've been thinking about. Um, we're going to sing this, then I'm going to close, and then the group are going to assemble, isn't that right? Yes, okay. Should we stand please and sing this final hymn? Thank you.
as we remain standing, could we have that prayer, please, sir? I'd like you to, you don't have to uh, pray this, sir. It's going to come up in three parts. This is a covenant prayer. The last time I'm standing here, and um, it's taken from John Wesley's prayer. He tries to see the church in its totality and the need for commitment. It stood the test of time. And uh, I'm going to challenge you, please, to look at those words, stay standing, and read it prayerfully. Make it true for yourself that at some point, maybe tonight, you look back and you say, that's when God met with me in a new way, or perhaps in the first way. So let's read it. I am no longer mine, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you, or laid aside for you, exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. So be it. The group are going to come. And this is a, a joyful note. Could you respond to the friend? If I say God is good all the time, you reply all the time God is good because it takes us 50. So let's try it. God is good all the time. Indeed he is. And that's the song that we're going to sing. God is good all the time. Rob would normally lead us in uh, uh, clapping, but you can't if you're playing the guitar, can you? <laughs> so we'll... Uh, the tip is, you, you clap on the offbeat. Help us. Martin, can you come out? If someone plays a bit of music, I'll give you a clue, alright? Alright. Okay, you've got a
can't clap off key, but you help me there, I'm sure that's good. Miss, off key, what did you say? Is that, well, I think off key. Okay, right, Anna, we'll give, shall we share in the grace? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, evermore. Amen. And finally, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you.